0: Game Cognition, let's ride. Game Cognition, let's ride. You heard it here first on the Ready, Set, Game podcast. I'm getting this hot take started in South Carolina this week. Tickets as low as $48, a 25-point dog to the dogs. South Carolina, Spencer Rattler and company get it done against the Georgia Bulldogs in an absolute shocker to kick off week three of college football. This is Ready, Set, Game. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jake Talbert, along with my good, good friend, Mr. Phil Addison, who is not going to like this hot take.
1: Jake, I really don't. And we're going to dive into that hot take. And I'm going to have some words with you after the recording, because I can't believe you sought out my Georgia Bulldogs to be the upset team of the week. But Uh, I do believe that we have a little more to dive into and break down uh, with that hot take.
0: We certainly do. We certainly do. Georgia, absolutely overly dominant team than South Carolina. They have everything that South Carolina does not. um, But I'm going to go on air. I'm calling that game. And if it turns out to be a 30 point game, the other direction, I'll own it here on the RSG podcast. We always own our mistakes and our flaws. Phil, last weekend, I mean, really, at this time last weekend, uh, we were on our way to um, Bentonville, Arkansas, for the wedding festivities of Luke and Lexi, now both of them with the last name of Barlow, and you found yourself in another flight delay last week.
1: That's right, Jake. Uh, As my washing machine is churning here in Atlanta, Georgia, I hope it won't mess up our audio too bad. Uh, I've had my... uh, my trouble with DFW, once again, uh, flight delay of uh, three hours uh, going from 9 a.m. to noon, uh, Atlanta, Dallas. Jimmy McCarthy was supposed to pick us up at 6 a.m. and take us to the airport. We were going to get a Don's breakfast run on the way, had to um, cancel on Jimmy. Very thankful that he offered a, to take us to the airport, but he was able to go to his men's Bible study in the morning, so we are thankful uh, that he was still able to uh, be a part of his commitments. But, I mean, Jake, it was a stellar weekend. Uh, Luke and Lexi Barlow sure know how to throw a party. Uh, it was an incredible event and uh, many highlights from said event. You were able to uh, DJ and MC a little bit. Phenomenal job on the microphone and on the tables as always.
0: Phil, I appreciate that shout out. I, I, but Before we discuss and download the wedding a little bit more, want to take us back to the thought process of flying from Atlanta to Dallas and then driving six hours from Dallas to Fayetteville when theoretically you may have could have just flown into Fayetteville or a Tulsa or maybe a closer regional airport, but you decided to fly into Dallas for the six-hour trip up. Uh, It was a point of discussion in our vehicle, myself, my wife, Melo Mike, and his bride on the way up. So talk to us about that decision. Jake, a lot of people
1: on paper say, hey, doesn't make any sense. Don't know why you did it. And we look at it as a ministry opportunity. We have dove into some fellowship with our good friends, Kendall and Ashton Reed. And we said, hey, let's grow this thing. Let's get some time together. So we had about 10 hours round trip in the car. Wouldn't trade it for anything. A lot of backseat driving from Ashton Reed, which she later apologized to Kendall for. He said it's standard protocol. Learned a lot of patience from Kendall this weekend as uh, there were many conversations great fellowship. and uh, At the end of the day, uh, thankful that we did it. Did it end up saving us that much money? Maybe. Did it end up saving us that much time? Absolutely not. But we're thankful that we got to spend the weekend with some loved friends uh,
0: and some great, great fellowship. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Kendall Reid has got the patience of an oyster. That guy has taught us all about patience. And if he's listening on this right here, Kendall, shout out to you. You are one of a kind in the best way. Um, Let's go back to the Barlow wedding festivities. It was a great, great weekend. It really was. Started in Fayetteville with the Razorbacks getting a win over South Carolina, a.k.a. my hot take for the week. And, you know, as we as we download the weekend and the the wedding festivities, it was a great celebration, awesome dance party, uh, great food. Um, you know, got a little bit of a bone to pick with Barlow. My table was the last to be dismissed to actually get the food, but it's okay, no big deal. Um, uh, yeah, so that was great. And then we had the post game party when we started the Baylor BYU game. It kicked off at nine thirty. We were still at the wedding for quite a while after that. Thankfully, in the in the role that I was in, I was able to watch a little bit of the game while also uh, DJing a little bit, and then a late night still feeling that late night from six days ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, Jake. I mean, we uh, ended up going over to JJ's Bar and Grill with Colin Plotz and the Reeds and Luke at uh, Hockley Magoon. And, I mean, we were there. They said they were closing at midnight. They had no shot. They were staying open until the end of that game. And it went all the way, you know, to 1.30 uh, a.m. central time, I think, Talbert. And, you know, sad to see the Bears lose in that thriller. Because, I mean, man, it it was – the people uh, over in Provo, man, they were rocking. The stadium was packed. And, I mean, missed field goal after missed field goal. No turnovers in the game. But, yeah, stayed up way too late to watch a Baylor loss, unfortunately. Uh, But still an exciting weekend uh, in time in Provo for sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a perfect segue transition into our next segment called Find Our Friends. And so without a doubt, I've got to find our friend, Luke Barlow. Where is that guy at? He's on his honeymoon. Uh, He is um, staying actually at uh, at the same resort, different location that I stayed at on my honeymoon and that you stayed at on your honeymoon. And he's actually staying at a different resort. Uh, we won't name that just for you know privacy. Want, don't want the listeners to go flock there or anything like that. Uh, but it looks like he right now is at the pool, but very, very close to the Toscana restaurant there at the resort. Looks like the resort has quite a few restaurants. Um, Barlow is no doubt right now sitting by the pool reading Charles Spurgeon. And uh, my guess is that he is... It's 2:55. My guess is he's about to order some poolside nachos that he's going to snack on this afternoon.
1: Jake, You could not have more perfect of a prediction of what Kano is doing down on the Island. Uh, you know, that he loves those mid afternoon nachos. I have uh, two guys on my radar, a couple that you are a little bit familiar with. Um, they're two guys uh, from uh, college I was buddies with. Their names are John and John, John Reed and John Kute. And tonight, yes, tonight, we are driving up. There's a group of about 10 of us, surprising both of them for their birthday weekends. And they are both making their way on Highway 72, it looks like. Their wives are in on it, have planned the whole thing. And it looks like they're finally coming together. Probably going down to Beale Street, maybe hit the FedEx Forum for Grizzlies open practice, see what John Morant's doing. But it looks like they're slowly coming together, and it looks like our other friends from Atlanta are making their way from Atlanta, from Nashville, all over for the uh, Couté-Reed big-time blowout
0: surprise party weekend. That is amazing. The BTB, the big time blowout. And and that may be a new segment here on the podcast. Is the yeah. BTB where is the blowout at this week? And and that may be something that if the funding continues to come in, we may be able to sponsor uh, some of our faithful listeners with a blowout for themselves. That's so right. Excited.
1: And, 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 and the BTB coincides perfectly with the groove. We're still trying to see if we can get the lights to shine directly in our face or away. But a lot of those pieces are coming together, Jake, as we move forward.
0: They certainly are. The concert, we're ready for it. It's coming. And really, we're going to have to unpack that at a later time. That is fantastic. Um, You know, Phil, we've really been following your season all year long with the Midwest Dishes. Y'all entered this past week 0-6, I believe, with the last game on the schedule against maybe a pretty quality opponent. Enter that game 0-6. You know, nothing left to lose. It's kind of like Purdue going in, uh, playing Ohio State, number two team in the nation a few years ago. Put it on Ohio State. Please tell us that's what you guys did.
1: Jake, uh, I'm here to tell you the Midwest Dishes, uh, they went into that game 0-7, had a lot of dog in this fight, uh, came out uh, finishing a deflating 0-8, an 81-57 loss, uh, to loss to – Another a team that was uh, more talented than ours. We only, unfortunately, had five players. We had to call in McLean Martin um, off the bench uh, from, uh, from another team and uh, get him in the mix. We, we started with the 2-3 uh, zone. Uh, it didn't last long before we were just blown through. They shot a lot of three-pointers. Had my best game of the year. Uh, finished with about 12, 13 points. Had one block which turned into a transition three-pointer. We were down by 20, but a huge turning point nonetheless. Um, We had uh, a lot of fight, like I said. Uh, It says still on the website the top teams make the playoffs. I don't think you could make a great case for the Dishes to be in the top teams, but it does have an empty spot uh, next Wednesday on the 21st. So there's a potential that you may see us in the playoffs, and the Dishes could be that Purdue, maybe an NCAA – March Madness Cinderella run for the dishes, you never know. We can't quit on the dishes uh, just yet.
0: Yeah, and you know what? The the good thing is at least you guys covered the spread in that game. That was essential. You covered the spread. And all the talent's there for you guys. Y'all have the talent. You just haven't been able to execute and put it all together and and into a packaged performance out on the court. So I'm hopeful they're going to get you guys into that tournament. And if they do, we're going to have to go broadcasting live from the rec center there in Atlanta to make this happen. So, Phil, we're gonna move on to our next segment. This is something that introducing for the first time, maybe the last time, but this is a segment we're calling, they're doing what? With three question marks, they're doing what? And I just wanna lead out here, You know, I've noticed a trend and I was in the uh, fitness center, the weight room here at Baylor working out last week and I've just noticed this trend of maybe people are just not, um, maybe they just don't care, which is probably really good. Maybe they uh, are just overly confident, which can also be good. Uh, but I've just noticed this trend of people with AirPods and, and headphones on in the gym dancing for no reason. Like they are so into the workout that they're like moving and like dancing. And And, and last week, I even had a guy singing out loud, like rapping, and it's like, there's all these people around. And so that's my they're doing what of the week. Not sure if they're doing that in Atlanta, but they're doing it in Waco. And this is me saying why.
1: Jake, you know, I, I, I think a lot of those people are coming into the gym ready to uh, prepare their bodies and minds and spirits to be um, uh, fully enticed and, 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 and to really prepare for you know what lies ahead for them. But I think a key component that they have is the group. They're sticking with the groove and they're letting that be a part of their workout to where I think it really will expedite the process of them becoming the best person that they can be. And uh, I also do have a, a they're doing what uh, here in Atlanta. You guys won't believe this listeners, but as of today, and Jake has his in the mailbox, the RSG pod is moving to professional microphones. We have them The Toner TC777 USB condenser microphone. They are here. Jake's is waiting in the mailbox. Next week, listeners, the audio is going to be crisp.
0: Wow, Phil. Uh, Listeners, he just revealed this to me on the podcast for the first time. I didn't know this was coming. I had no idea what was in the mailbox. This has been teased out for a couple weeks, and Phil has just revealed this to me. We're going to be live, episode 9, Sounds like it's going to be an audio fest. This is amazing. I have lost it.
1: Yeah, Jake. Just thought it was time to set up our game. We're, you know, we've seen the climb in listeners and viewers. Been a lot of sponsorships coming our way. So we decided, hey, we want to give the best to everyone that's involved in the RSG pod. And I think this is going to be the next step with the Toner TC777.
0: I love the Toner TC777, very biblical number two. And I know that that's why you went with that. This is going to be awesome. I am excited about this.
1: Jake, you know, unfortunately with great news also comes uh, unfortunate news sometimes. And the Queen has passed. Uh, that's right. She gave a great run to all of us here for many years. Uh, and we just want to take this time. Uh, obviously, to uh, pay homage to her, but also to share our favorite moments of the Queen. Jake, I know you've respected and loved the Queen for quite some time. Do you have anything that sticks out into your mind uh, of one of your favorite Queen moments?
0: You know, Phil, apart from watching all four seasons of The Crown on Netflix, which is a great show, by the way, I really prefer seasons one and two. Seasons three and four got a little slower, got a little more Odd in my opinion. I really loved seasons one and two, the early piece of the queen, kind of thrust into that leadership position with the passing of her father. But for me, the iconic queen moment, and I believe that this was it was CGI'd or something. It wasn't CGI. It was a it was a some for, form of stunt. But at the twenty twenty uh, the two thousand and twelve London Olympics, the opening ceremonies, James Bond, aka Daniel Craig. And the Queen parachute in to the opening ceremonies arena, and at this point she is 86 years old, parachuting in in a pink dress, just as the Queen would do with Daniel Craig right by her side, as he would a member of MI6. So I know she's had more iconic moments, but that moment right there for me is what I think of when I think of the Queen.
1: Jake, I mean that is an iconic moment with the Queen. Mine also comes the similar. Sporting event. This one's on the pitch, though. World Cup Final 1966. The Queen was at Wembley to witness the English football team beat West Germany in that World Cup for the final. Uh, one of the greatest days in England's history. Uh, Bobby Moore was a uh, part of that crew that led them there, and they got the handover. Uh, the Queen got the over The Jewels rip, remit trophy. Uh, to the team, Uh, a great win for England against that West Germany squad.
0: Phil, she goes down as the second longest reigning monarch in the history of the world, 70 years and 214 days as the sovereign of that country and also many other sovereign states during that time. And she loves athletics. That's something we've always seen about her, have admired and respected about her. So just wanna take a moment to pay homage in all seriousness, truly, to the Queen of England, um, a great run for the UK. Jake,
1: we love to look back on great memories and that is why we're going to take another trip down memory lane. We are going back to our top college sporting events for you guys to continue to break down some of our favorite moment, moments at our respective universities. Mine, Jake, comes from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 2018, the Georgia Bulldogs traveled down to LSU to play the year before the national championship LSU team, but still a Joe Burrow, led lead squad uh, against a Jake Fromm led squad, uh, coming fresh off a national championship loss. Expectations for LSU were not very high that season, um, but Georgia came in, I think, as the number one or number two ranked team in the country, and we just got swallowed by Death Valley. And the Tiger fans, you know, we walk into the stadium. We actually were on the way to the game, stopped in New Orleans for a night, and went to the Pelicans-Raptors preseason game in the Blender at Smoothie King Arena, stayed in a just ratchet hotel, and then on the way to Baton Rouge, we actually didn't have a place to stay. A few of our our, uh, mutual friends had some friends through Young Life that actually got us a place to stay an hour before we got to Baton Rouge. Um, on the way into the game, you know, everyone's screaming, tiger bait, tiger bait, like, you know, messing with us and buying, their, and buying us into their tailgate, eating their food, uh, you know, drinking their drinks, the whole nine yards. And then as soon as we get into the stadium, Jake, many obscenities thrown our way. The LSU fans uh, do not take the away team very kindly. Uh, and it was an absolute throttling. Uh, it was the final score was 36-16 LSU. But a great trip, nonetheless, got to go to the blender, got to see New Orleans for the first time, the French Quarter, baguettes, the whole deal, Cajun food, a great trip. Uh, But when you're in that stadium, Jake, you can't you can't see anything but the sky. There's no buildings. We sat in the 30 yard line, 10 rows up, amazing seats to see
0: an unfortunate uh, finish for the Georgia Bulldogs. Phil, thanks for looping us in on that. Baton Rouge, honestly, a really fun city. It really is. Two two of my cousins attended LSU. One of them got me into the stadium one night after hours. It was a great experience. That stadium is massive. Oh, my gosh. Um, Have definitely heard the uh, kindness of LSU fans outside of the stadium and the animosity once you've entered into the premises of Death Valley, especially in a night game, no doubt. Uh, Phil, I'm going to take my trip down memory lane. We're going to drive up I-35 to Norman, Oklahoma, 2014. I was a Baylor student. I don't even know what year I was a Baylor student that year. And my dad and my brother and myself went to the Baylor OU game. We came in as the number 15, I'm sorry, the number 12 team. Oklahoma was the number 15 team, I believe. And. Oklahoma's starting quarterback was Trevor Knight, if you remember that wow. name. Baylor's starting quarterback was Bryce Petty, big name, big time quarterback. And Baylor goes into the game. At the end of the first quarter, the score is 14 to 3. We'll fast forward to the end of the game in, in favor of Oklahoma. 14 to 3 in favor of Oklahoma. At the end of the game, the score is 48 to 14 in favor of Baylor. They went and scored 45 unanswered points on the Sooners. And I was on the field with my roommate's yearbook media pass to soak it all in along with his camera that I was lying on the ground taking photos, none of which turned out good. But I went up to the media desk, Phil. You're going to love this. It's something out of your playbook. And I had his media badge and he said, it probably won't work, but you should try it. So I'll go up to the media thing and... I said, "Hey, I'm here to pick up the media credentials for Drew Mills." Didn't ask for identification. They just handed me the media credentials for Drew Mills. I get them. I walk down onto the field with all the other photographers, and I am inches away from Bob Stoops at points, inches away from Art Briles and company. It was awesome. So Baylor wins it big time, but I won it with the uh, the sideline pass. So fun. Great experience. Um, for that game so that's my trip down memory lane coming in as my number five pick wow jake
1: that is a great memory your guy Corey coleman playing in that game just got picked up by the kansas city chiefs a couple days ago he's back in the league that is unbelievable you were able to get the on field access into the post game i mean just truly electric
0: an in, uh, in, incredible experience it really was and speaking of incredible we've got some people that we would like to shout out their birthdays today the first one nick jonas is turning 30 that is a big year for nick didn't know you know um uh, if he would still be relevant at this point 10 years ago but he's more relevant than ever That's and right, nick Jim. jonas is doing his thing he's 30 years old also bella robertson turning 19 famous family and then Phil, I'm gonna let you take it away for these last three. That's right. Our guy Aaron Gordon turning 26.
1: I believe he's still on the Denver Nuggets, if I'm not yeah. mistaken.
0: Yeah, and I feel like he's been in the league for 15 years and he's yeah. 26.
1: <laughs> so I couldn't I, I really couldn't believe that when I saw it. Best of luck to Aaron. We hope that uh one day he'll forgive the judges the dunk contest because he was done wrong several times. Um, But we also want to shout out Riley Walker, Jim Walker's wife. She is turning 22, according to Facebook. And also we want to shout out one of our faithful listeners, Luke Smoke, his family. We all know they listen to the podcast. Millie Smoke, the youngest of the Smoke siblings. She's turning 20. She's at Auburn. Really excited about this Penn State game, I'm sure, coming up tomorrow. But, Jake, want to give those shout-outs to Riley and Millie. Hope they're doing well. Know they're listening. Uh, And for Nick, Bella, and Aaron as well, we wish them the happiest of birthdays.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Nick may be joining us at some point on the podcast. We'll see what if we can squeeze him into the lineup. You know, if we can get him in here. Um, You know, one one of the taglines of this podcast is the content you didn't know you needed, and that's really our tagline. And we want to give you some content today that you didn't know you needed, but now you know it. And that is that in the year two thousand. Uh, 74-time Jeopardy! champion, Ken Jennings, got married. That's exactly right. On this day in history, in the year 2000, Ken Jennings won Jeopardy! 74 times in a row. He wed his wife, Mindy Bowen, on this date. Phil, I know you're a big Jeopardy! guy. You haven't missed an episode in weeks. Talk to us about your um, obsession with Jeopardy!
1: Yeah, Jake, you know, every night before bed, when my wife and I lay down and we pray, we Immediately afterwards, go to the Alexa and we say, Alexa, let's play Jeopardy. And her voice comes on and, you know, uh, we want to obviously also pay homage uh, to our good friend at Jeopardy. Um, his name is escaping my name right now. Uh, oh, what is that guy's name? It has uh, to be
0: Alex Trebek.
1: Alex Trebek. Yes, thank you. Uh, obviously, we love Alex Trebek uh, and he would say, thanks, Johnny. Uh, and you know obviously he passed in 2020 and so we we obviously play to respect the name of Trebek but also we play because my roommate Sam Thomas and I when he slept under my bed sophomore year of college we would play Jeopardy on the Alexa every night our best so far is 10 out of 12 sports Jeopardy on Sunday nights so in two days our next recording on Sunday nights um, once I get those results, I will definitely share them on the pod because Jeopardy, yes, of course, Jake, as you know, is one of my favorite obsessions.
0: I absolutely love that. Phil, this is the perfect segue. Jeopardy straight into our Phil and Jake pick them so far. Phil, I'm currently leading 13. I'm 13 and 7. You are 11 and 9, two weeks in. There's a couple games that really got you. That South Florida game, I know you're kicking yourself <laughs> in week one picking that South Florida game. The others have all been pretty good picks. I was a little bit shocked at your Vandy over Wake Forest pick last week, but you came on strong with a few other picks. Oregon State on the road against Fresno State. That was a good pick for you. We've got a huge slate today, starting with my hot take at the beginning of the podcast. Talk to us about Georgia at South Carolina.
1: Yeah, Jake, you know, you really uh, ruffled my feathers coming in hot with that one. The Gamecocks uh, do come into this game one and one. Uh, Had a tough outing with Georgia State at home. So we already know that a couple teams uh, or the teams from Georgia have already given us some trouble. You know, Georgia State was actually leading that game at one point, 14 to 12 in the third quarter. So you got to think that the dogs have a, a decent chance to be doing the same come the third quarter. I just think Georgia's the more complete team. Spencer Rattler, to me, is I was pretty high in Spencer i from being honest. I tried, I tried to convince a lot of people that he was going to be the guy that he was his first you know, six games in Oklahoma a couple of years ago. But after they go into Fayetteville with a 44 to 30 loss, uh, I don't know if there's gonna be much of a result um offensively on the field for them. I think Georgia's defense is too good. The dogs have yet to allow a touchdown, Jake. I think this one might be a blowout. Uh think it might be 45 zero.
0: Phil, you know, your 45 to zero is probably way more accurate than my hot take up upset. However, I'm going to stick with it here. We're 30 minutes into the podcast and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. South Carolina getting it done. Many said last week, App State doesn't stand a chance. Stood in here on the podcast. I said, App State's going to go into College Station and they're going to win that football game. Yeah. And they did. Georgia is is extremely just a. Uh, Their talent level far exceeds anything South Carolina is going to put on the field. Stetson Bennett, he's in the Heisman conversation at this point for me. Their tight end room is out of this world. All three will play in the NFL at a high level for a long time. I'm still taking South Carolina in this one. By a field goal, I'm going to take South Carolina 16 to 13 in this one. Phil, We are going to (laughs) go to Lincoln Memorial Stadium. In Nebraska, where number six Oklahoma visits Nebraska after the departure of Scott Frost, a.k.a. the firing of Scott Frost, what do you see in this game?
1: Yeah, I hate to see Frost go, but it might just be exactly what this Cornhuskers squad needs. Uh, I think they are just ready to have a new look. You know, Frost went about, I think it was like 15-31 at his time uh, over the handful of seasons he had uh, up in Lincoln. But uh, I do believe that this is going to be a closer game than people think. Last year, Nebraska had a chance to win in Norman. Uh, I do think Oklahoma has the more talented squad. Uh, But I I think it's going to be a close one. You got a big noon kick on Fox, which everyone loves. Nebraska is going to come out swinging. They kind of have nothing to lose for me at this point. Um, So I think I'm taking the Cornhuskers at home. I'm thinking a big upset. I just had to convince myself. Tickets prices are as low as one hundred and two dollars right now. People are still flooding in there in Lincoln, Jake. I like the Cornhuskers at home.
0: Phil, that's a great take. You know, the one thing we've seen is when when it, when a coach departs, the team kind of rises up and stands up. The question mark for me about Nebraska is giving up six hundred and forty-two yards last week to Georgia Southern. I just don't know how that happened. They gave up that many yards last week. Dylan Gabriel. Is an elite quarterback, in my opinion. He brings a lot to the table. But I'm taking the Cornhuskers in this one as well. Everything is stacked against them, the numbers, everything. But I think that they show out in this game. Casey Thompson shows up. He has had a great start to the year. I don't care what anyone says. has had a great start to the year. And I'm taking Nebraska in Lincoln to win this game. Oklahoma's going to come in. Looking forward to the next game. They're not going to be ready for this one in Lincoln.
1: That's right, Jake. I love the Corn Huskers take from the both of us. We are high on the Cornhuskers. We are a full supporter of the Nebraska football program here on the RSG pod. But we go over to a very, very similar situation. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a hot seat per se, but some hot water uh, over in Notre Dame. Um, you know, you go into Notre Dame Stadium, and it's a tough place to play, but not for the thundering Herd. We are all marshals when it comes to Thursdays uh, at at K-Country. And every day, we are always marshals um, looking out for one another. But Cal, they got a bad program, Jake, if I'm being honest. Ever since Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch left and Deshaun Jackson, they really haven't had much since. Uh, And so I think Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman are going to pick up their feet on this one. They're going to whoop Cal, I think, and it's going to be a blowout in South Bend.
0: Bill, I'm with you on that one. Cal is uh, Cal is two and zero. Notre Dame is zero and two. The first time a coach has ever started zero three in the history of Notre Dame football. Tough start. It's not going to continue this week, and I really think uh, Notre Dame is going to turn it around a little bit. Uh, Drew Pine will get the start after the um, the injury to Butner last week. I think that's going to help them in their passing game, be able to push the ball down the field. I'm taking Notre Dame at home by three touchdowns.
1: I love that, Jake. We're going to go all the way on the other side of the country, and we're going to head to Eugene. We have, unfortunately, the number twelve ranked BYU Cougars uh, after a after a tough loss for Baylor to them at I, I, I number twelve in the country now. Uh, and you know, Oregon's still hanging around the top twenty five, number twenty five. Bo Nix is still hanging. This is an interesting game to me, Jake. Uh, I think BYU has a great defense, and I think uh, they can produce on offense. But you know, for me. I, I can't really pick Bo Nix. I, I I don't really – I never really trust him. Nothing against the guy personally. Just don't think that he's going to have what it takes to get the win at home. I'm going to take the Cougars in this one, Jake.
0: Phil, I'm taking the Cougars as well, and here's why. I think they are hungry, and I think they are making a statement run this year. Their non-conference schedule is absolutely crazy. They got Baylor. They got Arkansas. They've got Notre Dame later on in the year, which may or may not be a top 25 game. They've got Oregon. This is a really solid BYU team, and I have been extremely impressed with Jaron Hall, his play at the quarterback position, his arms and his legs they're going to get it done in Eugene I'm taking BYU Jake I like
1: that pick I'm glad we're on the same page there but this one I don't know if we will be we have the Nittany Lions going down to Jordan Hare Stadium to play the Auburn Tigers this one is really a toss-up for me Jake I can't tell how good or bad Auburn is you know they had a what was an eight-point win six-point win against uh, uh, San Jose State last week uh, they blew out Mercer, the game that I picked the Bears to win. Um, this game is tough. You see a, a, a lowly ranked Penn State team, uh, but I think a team that will be ready to play. When you go into Jordan-Hare, you never know. The place is loud. It's rocking. The people are going to be excited. But I think at the end of the day, I'm going to take Penn State, the Nittany Lions, over the Auburn Tigers. Just don't think Auburn has what it takes to hang with this, this defense. They're going to be run to the ground by the end of this thing. It's going to be in the trenches I'm looking at a 13-10 win for Penn State.
0: Yeah, Phil, I uh, you know, I my my heart wants to pick Auburn, you know I love Auburn, but I'm going to take the 7th year quarterback Sean Clifford in this one on the road at Auburn. I just think Auburn's quarterback play right now is just a hot mess. They don't know who they're starting, they don't know what's going on there. And uh Penn State's going to be able to put 7 8 in the box and just plug the run and I think Penn State's going to get it done there. This is a game I was not expecting to put on here, but after last week's performance, I had to. Phil, I was going to ask the listeners this. Do you know who the top scoring team in the nation is right now? Uh, Yeah, you got to ask because we both know. (laughs) We both know, and it is indeed the Kansas Jayhawks are the top scoring team in college football, and they're traveling to the Lone Star State to play the Houston Cougars this weekend. Kansas at Houston, who do you have?
1: Jake, I really want to uh, pick wisely here, and also pick against your pick, uh, considering that uh, it—you know—we've been so similar throughout the pickems right here. I gotta stick with Houston. I know they had a tough uh, back and forth with UTSA. Um, they come into this game at home. I think they're ready uh, to get a win. I just don't think Kansas is gonna have what it takes. I think it's another shootout. Personally, I do think it's a shootout, but I think the Cougars come out on top.
0: That's a great pick, and we're going to differ here. I'm taking the Jayhawks on the road in H-Town, getting down, down there. Jalen Daniels, big-time play last week for the Kansas Jayhawks. I think that's going to continue this week. Electric play from the quarterback position. Kansas right now is hungry. They don't play much defense, but I think they'll be able to score. So I'm taking Kansas. I like that
1: pick, Jake. And also, yeah, I, I completely forgot an amazing game. In Lubbock uh, against the Texas Tech Raiders. I mean, my goodness, that thing was a shootout. And Texas Tech won, I think, with no time left on the clock. And so, I mean, this is going to be – Houston might have one of those years where every game they play is, you know, a nail-biter, but uh, that's fun for the fans. It's fun for us. It may be miserable for the fans maybe of Houston, (laughs) but it's at least fun for the viewers.
0: Fun for the viewers, no doubt. Speaking of fun for the viewers, that's going to be the land of cowbells Migrating over to Death Valley, you mentioned that stadium earlier, Mississippi State at LSU, two unranked SEC teams that probably are going to be middle of the pack in the SEC this year. I'm taking Mississippi State in this one. I chose against Mississippi State earlier in the year, and they proved me completely wrong drumming Memphis. I'm taking Mississippi State on the road. Jake, I like that pick, but I am going to pick the
1: Tigers, as I know personal experience, what it's like to walk into Death Valley when you play especially a 6 p.m. Central kick. That's scary for the Bulldogs walking into Death Valley. But LSU, I mean, you watched that game against Florida State. Sure, they beat Southern pretty bad last week. But, I mean, this is, I think, going to be another close game, but I'm going to take the Tigers on top at home in Death Valley.
0: Phil, that's a good take right there. We're going to go in. I don't know why this game ended up on our picks, but it did, and we are going to run with it. This is SMU at Maryland, a game that many people have been waiting for and looking for all offseason. SMU at Maryland. I'm taking SMU in this one. The team from Texas getting it done. Great offense. Just an overall more balanced football team. I will say the younger Tagavailoa at quarterback, for Maryland has put up decent numbers so far this year. I don't think it's going to be enough to get it done. Pony up.
1: Wow, Jake. I mean, this, this game is very intriguing. I mean, you look at an SMU squad that has been uh, in the top 25 up and down for the last few years and a Maryland team that's just trying to get a fighting chance here at home. You know, I mean, tickets as low as $5 in Maryland Stadium up there, but they are undefeated. They had a good win against Buffalo. They scored a lot of points against Charlotte. I'm going to take Maryland at home, 7.30 p.m. Eastern kick uh,
0: for the Terrapins. I like the Terps, Jake. I love that, Phil. We're going to NC State. We're going to Raleigh. Texas Tech visits North Carolina State. North Carolina State bringing out, I believe, the all-black uniforms. Is that what I read? I can't remember. Wow. Um, Florida State also rolling out the all-white helmets. This week for the first time, I don't know, maybe ever, but that's interesting. Texas Tech at NC State. I've been extremely impressed with Texas Tech this year. David O'Leary, the quarterback for North Carolina State, maybe a top five quarterback off the board. I'm going to roll the dice here. I'm going to say the Red Raiders get it done on the road at NC State. I may go three and seven this week, but I'm loving these picks.
1: Jake, I mean, these picks are electric. This whole slate is phenomenal. I like the Wolf Pack at home. I think I believe in the hype. I want them to compete in the ACC, and I'm going to take the Wolfpack against the Raiders. Another
0: shootout I believe is going to happen in North Carolina this weekend. Phil, I love it. And that launches us to our last game, Miami. Mario Cristobal and company come to number 24, Texas A&M. It was supposed to be college game day, and they moved it to Appalachian State, rubbing salt in the womb. The team that beat Texas A&M last week, Miami at Texas A&M. This is a coin flip for me. Texas A&M could come out. They just made a quarterback change. I'm going Miami in College Station.
1: Jake, I love that. I would agree with you. I don't think that A&M has what it takes to get it done, uh, but I do think Cristobal and company – have a very good chance to win the game jake i really wanted to pick south florida over florida as my upset for this week and i'm going to i believe in jerry bohannon and i think he's gonna get it done jake who's your upset
0: upset south carolina over georgia you heard it here first on the podcast this has been ready set game we'll see you next time thanks so much